Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. It's often been said that the true mark of leadership is not just how you lead, but it's how you finish things. In fact, I think you could say it this way, finishing strong is of vital importance. We have been going through different, um, this summer we're going to be going through different biographies, and we're going through the life of Nehemiah. But I think it's important to look at the life of Moses for just a minute. Moses' life was filled with ups and downs. I love the biography of Moses in realizing all that he went through. When he was born, it was in a time where Pharaoh had said that all of the Hebrew children that were boys should be killed. And Moses was born, and Moses' family they weren't going to let that happen. So Moses' mom, he, she devised that plan to put Moses into the reeds there in the river and have Pharaoh's daughter come and find him and for Moses to be, um, to be raised up in Pharaoh's household. As a young man, Moses, I would say, was conflicted. Because he saw the people that he was raised with from the house of Pharaoh. He saw all of the glitz and the glory of living that royal life. But from a distance, he watched his Hebrew people, the people that he knew that he came from. And he saw the oppression that they had. And he was conflicted. And you remember in the story that one day he saw an Egyptian and a Hebrew fighting. And Moses jumped in, and he killed the Egyptian, and he fled from Egypt. He spent some time out in the desert wandering around, and he was at a well in Midian, and he saw some girls being accosted by shepherds. And Moses went over and helped the girls. He watered their flock, and he got everyone else away from them. And Moses his, the girls went back to their father and told their father about what Moses had done, and the girl's father gave Moses Zipporah to be his wife. And again, Moses, a simple shepherd out in the desert, one day sees a bush burning but not being consumed. You know that story, don't you? I love the story. Back in the 80s, there was a song. It was about a 20-minute long song that talked about the burning bush of Moses, and it talked about all of the things that Moses went through, where Moses heard the voice of God, and God said, Moses, you're going to go bring my people out of Egypt. And Moses said, I can't do it. I don't talk so good. And God says, I'm going to give you Aaron. And he says, Pharaoh will never listen to me. He won't believe me. And God says, you have my power. And he said, I don't have any power. And you remember the story. God said, throw your staff down. And it became a snake. 
And then God said, pick it up. And Moses said, that's a poisonous snake. And God said, pick it up, Moses. And Moses picked it up, and it became a staff again. And all that was there, Moses goes back to Egypt. And he goes to Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go. You remember the old Charlton Heston version of that, don't you? And then the ten plagues come to the Egyptian people. And finally, Pharaoh says, go. And Moses begins to lead the people out of Egypt. There would have been a lot of celebration, but you remember the story, don't you? The ebbs and the flows, the ups and downs of Moses' life. What happened? They go out in the desert. They come to the Red Sea. The Egyptian army is coming behind them. The people say to Moses, great, you led us out of Egypt. At least we were slaves with food and houses there. Now we're going to be slaughtered out here. And instead, Moses parts the water with God's help, and the people come through. Again, you would think that Moses and the people would celebrate, but what did the people do? They started grumbling. What are we going to eat out in the desert? God provides manna and quail for them. The people grumble and complain. Really? Manna and quail every day? Yep, we're going to eat. They complained about water because it got too dry out in the desert. And Moses, through God's power, provided water from them from dry rocks. We read about how the people needed to figure out how to live life and how to follow God. And so Moses goes up onto the Mount Sinai and he receives the Ten Commandments from God. And as Moses is up there communing with God and spending time with God, you remember what the Hebrew people were doing. They were down trying to fashion idols, trying to make their own gods. And Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments and he throws those Ten Commandments down. He helps God establish the tabernacle and the Ark of the New Covenant. All through that time in the desert, the people grumbled, but Moses stayed strong. But then Moses strikes the rock in anger towards God. And after all Moses had been through, God says to Moses, You've led the people out of Egypt, but you're not going to lead them into the promised land. You know, I don't know about you, but I think I would get a little bitter at that moment. God, do you understand what I've heard from these people for 40 years in the desert? And not only have I had to listen to them yipping at me and telling me all the things that are wrong, I've been out here in the middle of the desert too with this. God, where are you in this? But that's not what Moses did. Moses had his bout of anger. God said, you're not going into the promised land. But Moses chose to finish strong. Listen to what Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Moses is ending his life. Here's what Moses records. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all of Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. 
The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will also cross over ahead of you, as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sion and Og and the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. I love this passage. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all of Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with his people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Moses chose not to be bitter. He pointed people towards God, and he pointed people to the promises that God had made for them. Now, you may think, how does Moses' life and Nehemiah's life intersect? Well, I think they do in many ways because we come to a point in Nehemiah's life in our text today where Nehemiah has helped complete this huge project, the rebuilding of the walls and the gates of Jerusalem has been accomplished. Nehemiah was at a crossroads in many ways in his life. He had seen the hand of God from the very beginning when he heard about the way that the walls in Jerusalem lay. And he heard about how his people were being hit in so many different directions because of people able to come in and destroy them. And he took pity on them, and he heard that God was going to use him to help rebuild those walls. Again, I think it would have been very easy that at the completion of this project for Nehemiah to puff out his chest and to show everyone what he had done and to talk about his accomplishments. It would have been a great opportunity for Nehemiah to go back to the king and to look at the king and say, hey, you remember me, your cupbearer, the one who came to you and said, will you give me passage to Jerusalem? Will you give me the wood? Well, I accomplished everything I said I was going to do, and I accomplished it in record time. I think now, king, maybe it's time for you to give me a better position than eating your food and drinking your drinks before you do to see if you're going to die. Maybe it's time for me to be in charge of something we might be a little tempted to do that ourselves, mightn't we? But that's not what Nehemiah did. He chose to finish strong. He chose to point people back to God. If you've been reading through Nehemiah like I've asked you to, we're in Nehemiah chapter 6 today. 
the ending part of chapter 6 and the very beginning of chapter 7. Listen to what is recorded. If you have your Bibles, follow along. If not, it's going to be on the screen. So the wall was completed on the 25th day of Ulu in, the 50, in 52 days. Stop for just a minute. 52 days to complete this wall. Without heavy equipment, without massive engineers that were there to help give them direction and help them to figure things out, with just bricks and mortar and wood and sweat and tears, 52 days. Let's go on. When all of the enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Also in those days, the nobles of Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah, and the replies from Tobiah kept coming to them. For many in Judah were under the oath to him, since he was the son-in-law to Shekiah, son of Era, and the son of Jehoan, had married the daughter of Mezalam, the son of Becherah. Moreover, they kept reporting to me his good deeds and then telling him what I said. And Tobias sent letters to intimidate me. After the wall had been rebuilt and had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanai, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people. I said to them, the gates, are, uh, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards at some of their posts and some near their own houses. 52 days. A tremendous accomplishment. Josephus, who is a history writer that is not a Christian, that is not a follower of God, stated in his history book in this day and age that he supposes that it would have taken a normal situation two years and four months to complete this wall. Understand the significance of this. It was a 2,860-yard-long wall, including gates, including places that they had to make sure that they could get big things through so that they could go to the trash area or where they could get out to the water supply. All of this was done in 52 days. How? Well, if you've read through the book of Nehemiah, it wasn't just because of Nehemiah. We talked last week. It was because Nehemiah inspired people to do the work. Chapter 3 lists at least 42 different work crews who worked on this project. But of course, we also know it was the hand of God. These walls were complete because God's hand was there. 
and because God led the people through the words of Nehemiah. But just when all of the good things are happening, the walls are, are finally there, we see that the gates are strong, and the city is now fortified, trouble begins to come. Not just from the outside, but also from the inside. Did you read it in the text? The people began to grumble. The enemies, they didn't know what to do. Because this place that they could come and beat up on, this place that they could overrun, this place that they could get whatever they want and pilfer from, was no longer like that. And the enemies were humbled because of the hand of God. Throughout the book of Nehemiah, we read of enemies that came and tried to persuade the people not to do what Nehemiah was encouraging them to do. But the people stayed strong, and the people did the work that they were called to do. And the people paused to see what had happened. Remember, this project had been talked about for generations by the Hebrew people. They wanted to rebuild the city. They wanted to fortify the city, but no one helped them until Nehemiah listened to the still, small voice of God. Now, please understand something. Nehemiah was a fabulous leader. But Nehemiah's leadership was inspired by God. He couldn't have done this without the hand of God being upon him. And Nehemiah never forgot that. Sometimes it's very easy in life to see our accomplishments and to find gratification in the things that we think we have done when in reality, it's what God has done through us and in us. Nehemiah spent a lifetime giving glory back to God. Just like Moses, at the height of Nehemiah's triumph, Nehemiah pauses and points the people of his day and I think still in our day today, back to the Creator God. Nehemiah didn't take a victory lap. Nehemiah didn't stand up and say, I built this, or look what I did. Nehemiah chose to give glory to God. Nehemiah is not given much time to bask in glory of a completed wall because the opposition just kept coming his way. Tobiah, inside, kept sending letters to the Jewish leaders and kept dropping hints and suspicions to the Jewish leaders, and he continued to threaten Nehemiah. But notice what Nehemiah does. Nothing. He doesn't go and confront. He doesn't go and force his issue he just chooses to ignore and to continue the work God has called him to do. 
You know, I think the church in 2023 is still being attacked by a world around us. I was just with some preacher friends of mine this past week from a couple of different denominations, and they were talking about how they were being threatened right now. I was talking to some people about how their church chose to go one direction, and they chose to follow the Bible, and so they now have to find a new church to preach in. I've heard of some ministers that are struggling because God, they think that Satan is attacking them. I want to encourage you, we have a lot of work to do. And God is still in the business of accomplishing work through his church. Can I say that again? God is still in the business of accomplishing his work through his church. We talked about it last week. We'll talk about it this week. We'll talk about it again next week. But it's important that his church listens and responds. Nehemiah accomplished great things in a short amount of time. But Nehemiah understood that his strength came from God. In Nehemiah, I think we can learn two lessons today. The first is this, that our strength does come from God. We heard some great things at our congregational meeting about Faith Christian Church, some exciting things that are happening, some exciting things that we still need to accomplish. It's because God is calling us to accomplish those things, and we need to do it together. But I think we can also learn something else from Nehemiah today, that the glory is given to God. God deserves the glory, not us. When we build a church, it is God's church. When we accomplish a task, it is God working in us and through us. I remember those words that the Apostle Paul wrote, where he said, I can do all things through Christ. Do you remember what it says? Who gives me strength. Our church can do great things if we bind together and we find our strength and our hope in God. We can do great things for this community. And let me tell you, I believe the Tuscarawas Valley needs a place that is going to be a beacon and a light of love and devotion and commitment to God's people. We need to be a place where hurting people can come with questions, can come with struggles, and can find loving people that will embrace them and show them the love of Jesus Christ. We have a lot of people in this community that are searching for answers. And I believe the answer is Jesus. That's the only hope that gives hope beyond this life. Church, be that place. Find our strength in God and each and every day give him the glory that he deserves. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you 
that you have always heard our prayers. Throughout the course of the history of this church, throughout the course of the history of the world, you have been a God that embraced his people and listened, and you helped them. Father, I pray that as we come to this crossroads in a world in 2023, that we will recognize that we are called to be a beacon of light, a place of hope, a place of help. I pray that we can complete the task that you have called us to do, to be the body of Christ, your hands and your feet. Help us to be that place in this community. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.